You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, a growing number of unpaid caregivers in the United States are children. Cooking meals for her, feeding her, brushing her teeth. And balsam, spruce, or pine, come find the perfect Christmas tree. I think I have found it. Beautiful shape to it, a nice, deep green color. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast, audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full-service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at rocvox.com. The term caregiver refers to someone who helps with the daily tasks or medical care of someone else. And while many are paid professionals, people like spouses, parents, friends, and neighbors can also serve as caregivers. But a growing population of unpaid caregivers are children— helping chronically ill siblings or relatives who are elderly or have a disability. Balancing these responsibilities while doing regular kid stuff, like just going to school, can be challenging. My colleague April Franklin spoke with young people in this situation and found one organization that is trying to help. She has this story. Looking back, Daniela Castro Martinez is still amazed by her mother's energy and selflessness. She really did, like, anything for me and never complained about it. That was before Sandra Martinez was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or ALS. The disease affects the nerve cells in the brain and the spinal cord. Daniela and Sandra's roles reversed as the disease progressed. When Daniela was in high school, she became one of her mother's primary caregivers. Cooking meals for her, feeding her, um, brushing her teeth. Sometimes my dad and I would like switch off Um, tasks and sometimes I would um, kind of like position her and put her into bed and everything. Balancing school and caregiving responsibilities was how the 17-year-old spent the past four years until her mother died this summer. She says the experience was isolating. And Daniela's not alone. In the United States, there are about 5.4 million people under the age of 18 caring for a person in their household. Researchers believe that number is higher because children are often left out of national surveys. Some studies say youth caregivers have increased anxiety and depression, and for most, resources are hard to find. Carol Levine is a home health care advocate who has worked with youth caregivers for nearly two decades. She says when it comes to support, the focus has primarily been on adults. Some families don't seek help out of fear that children will be taken out of the home. But Levine says that's not the answer. The answer is to provide enough support in the home that the young person can contribute in a meaningful way, but not be responsible for the whole thing. She said the COVID-19 pandemic and opioid crisis has only increased the number of youth caregivers and the need to pay attention to them. The American Association of Caregiving Youth has been offering assistance to youth caregivers since 1998. Its Youth Caregiver Project 
supports kids and their families in Palm Beach County, Florida, and is the only program of its kind in the U.S. Founder Connie Siskowski says the association connects young caregivers with resources to help them succeed in school and at home. That might include tutoring, counseling, or even connecting students with school supplies or food resources. Siskowski says partnering with the Palm Beach County School District has been key. For them to to be able to kind of set the standard, I think is important. And we look to that as we talk with people in other states to try and work with the schools because that's where the kids are. The association reports that students involved in the program are sticking with it, and the graduation rate is above 90 percent. The biggest issue is identifying caregivers who need the support. There's no standard way to identify them, and caregivers don't have access to federal and state-funded resources until they're 18. To address this, the association developed a screening tool to help them find kids in this situation. It's a questionnaire given to middle school students. It helped identify 14-year-old David Thomas Rogazan, who's been providing emotional support for his 10-year-old sister, Rania. Rania was born with congenital heart disease. All the time, I took care of my sister, even when I was in elementary school. And overall, that's that was my responsibility, taking care of her, making sure that um, she's doing well and her behavior as well. His mother, Alina, says the mentors and group activities give her son an outlet outside of his home responsibilities. And for a few hours, they, they were able to, to be kids. That's amazing. Connecting with other youth caregivers is what many students in the program value most. Daniela says she would have appreciated that kind of support while taking care of her mother in Arizona, where she lives. Being able to communicate with others that were in a similar situation maybe would have made me feel like it would make me feel more hopeful. April Franklin is a reporter and host of Weekend Edition for WXXI News. Hi, this is Evan Dawson from WXXI, and if you're enjoying Earshot, then you'll want to subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson, that's me. On the podcast, you can catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson, where you subscribe to Earshot from WXXI News. Have you gotten your Christmas tree yet? If you celebrate, maybe you have a pre-lit tree that's been in a box in your attic all year. Or maybe you're an early bird who went out on Black Friday to pick the perfect pine. Whatever your tradition, now's the time when a lot of folks head out into the woods or to their local garden shops for a tree. Emily Russell is a reporter with North Country Public Radio. She recently went in search of the perfect Christmas tree at a farm in the Adirondacks, and she produced this audio postcard. There are Christmas tree farms all around the Adirondack North Country. From Old Forge to Lake George up to Saranac Lake, drive around and you'll see big signs for Christmas tree farms this time of year. At the Kretzer's Farm in Vermontville, there's just one small yard sign out front. It says Christmas trees and has an arrow pointing down their driveway. 
There's really no name to it. That's Katrine Kretzer. Some people call it the Kretzer Farm. Other people, we have one sign inside that says Blueberry Hill because we have a lot of blueberries on it. But today is not about blueberries. It's about balsams and pines and spruce trees. I'm here in early December. Kretzer says that's usually when folks would first start shopping for Christmas trees. This year was entirely different. We had people come before Thanksgiving. The weekend after Thanksgiving was very busy. There's actually a Christmas tree shortage around the nation right now. Summer heat and drought destroyed a lot of trees out west. That's where a lot of Christmas trees sold around the country come from. There are also supply chain delays and labor shortages. At the Kretzer's farm, though, there's a lot to choose from, even after the early bird shoppers. And Kretzer says there's still a lot of variety, too. We have the balsam fir, scotch pine, white pine, red pine, and white spruce. I've never gotten a Christmas tree just for myself, so I asked Kretzer what kind she likes. Just depends on preference. Some of the spruces, like, you know, they last a long time. The scotch pine lasts a lot longer than the balsam. But you're a balsam girl. I'm a balsam girl. Yes. (laughs) After all, they are the traditional Christmas tree with that strong, piney smell. So balsam it is. Kretzer sets me up with a big red sled, and I set off up the hill towards the trees. So walking around the farm, it's snowed recently, so everything is covered in a light dusting of snow. It's really pretty out here today. It's like I'm in my own little snow globe. I walk through rows of evergreen trees, stopping to check out a few that catch my eye. That one's really nice. But I'm looking for the one. And then I see it, standing tall, but not too tall, a tree that might just be my perfect match. I think I have found it. It's this balsam tree, beautiful shape to it, a nice deep green color, not too big. I've got a little apartment and just feels like, I don't know, it feels like it could be the one. I stand and I just kind of stare at it for a few minutes. I walk around the tree, trying to imagine it covered in twinkle lights in my living room. It's a big commitment. Ultimately, I decide it's the tree for me. I get down on one knee and commit. Woo! Get the workout! The tree falls to the snow, and I prep it for its journey home. Okay, so I've got the tree on the sled all tied down and I'm gonna drag it back to my car. It's been a few weeks now since I said I do to my very own balsam. On these dark winter days the twinkle lights on the Christmas tree fill my living room with a warm festive glow. Emily Russell covers the Adirondack State Park for NCPR. You can find even more of their stories at northcountrypublicradio.org. You've been listening to Earshot from WXXI News. Send us your questions or comments to earshot at wxxi.org. And be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast to get updates every Friday in your feed. Find even more local news on our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. 
I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.